Good morning, everybody. It's so great to see you here today. I want to thank you for coming. Um, and also, thanks to all of you joining us online this morning. We're so glad to be together today. My name is Sue Marsden. Uh, John and I uh, have the joy of being the founding pastors at River Heights Vineyard. It's a joy. And I'm so grateful that God called us to join him uh, in this great adventure that he had planned. And it's been so good for us and so good for so many people. I've really been enjoying our summer series, uh, Women of Faith. Last week, Barbara Pelletier gave a powerful message about the woman with the issue of blood reaching out to Jesus to be healed. You know, Jesus has such good plans for your life as you keep reaching out to him. So thank you, Barbara. Uh, today I get to talk about the beautiful story found in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. It's an amazing story of how God pursues people with his strong and kind love and forms partnerships among ordinary people to accomplish kingdom purposes. So I'd like to pray. Lord, thank you, God, for your strong love for each of us here today. Thank you that you pursue us with your loving kindness. You unfold your purposes in our lives. Help us to see more and more clearly what a life of faith looks like. Help us to see your fingerprints in this story and in the story that you're writing in each of our lives as we live out your kingdom purposes. Amen. So the book of Ruth opens uh, with a reference to a famine in Bethlehem. This famine drove a couple named Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons to seek refuge in another country, the country of Moab. Tragedy followed, Elimelech died, uh, eventually uh, Naomi's sons uh, married Moabite women, and then sadly they too passed away, leaving Naomi and her daughters-in-law alone. What did it mean to be a widow in that day? Widows had no voice, they had no legal rights, no recourse against injustice. It was a really dark picture. Then Naomi hears that the famine in her homeland has lifted and she decides to return to Bethlehem. She attempts to send her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, back to their families and she prays this prayer that's found in Ruth 1. She prays, may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. The three women weep together, and Orpah kisses Naomi and returns to her homeland. But Ruth could not bring herself to do this. She clung to Naomi and made this pledge to her. She said, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. So Ruth took a huge risk here as she turned her back on her homeland and insisted on embracing Naomi and her God. How can we explain such boldness? I believe that God in his love was pursuing her and the Holy Spirit was calling her out of Moab and into the community of the people of God. 
God is working behind the scenes here in ordinary people to see his grand purposes unfold. You know, it's quite amazing, really, that Ruth would turn, turn to God after seeing all the bad things that had happened in Naomi's life. And yet, Ruth commits her life to Naomi and her God. And then she begins to take extraordinary risks to live out this commitment. Naomi and Ruth arrived in Bethlehem with many challenges before them. Many years ago, Naomi had left Bethlehem with her husband and two sons. And now here she's returning alone, feeling bitter and empty. And Ruth has several strikes against her as she comes to Bethlehem. She's a female, a foreigner, she's barren, and widowed. All of these are reasons to be considered undesirable in that society. But God doesn't think they're undesirable. In his eyes, God sees purpose written all over their lives, and he's getting them ready for a strategic kingdom mission that's way beyond anything that they could imagine. God sees you right now, right where you are. He is pursuing you with his powerful love, his healing love, and he sees kingdom purpose written all over you. After Ruth's bold decision to break with tradition and follow Naomi, they arrive in Bethlehem. Naomi is immobilized by her grief, and Ruth also has an aching heart and a really uncertain future. But she responded to God and his invitation to follow Naomi and her God. So she continues to look for ways to care for Naomi. What blesses me so much about Ruth is that she's proactive. She's a risk taker. She comes up with a plan to get provision for Naomi and herself. Now, in those days, uh, gleaning was a practice to provide for the poor. Gleaners would follow along behind the harvesters gathering up um, grain that the harvesters might have missed. It certainly wasn't without its risks, especially for Ruth as a foreigner and a woman out working in the fields. She was willing to work hard to provide for Naomi and herself. And as she took this step, God met her in that decision. So let's read on in Ruth 2. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked the foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, refuge reward you fully for what you've done. 
At mealtime, Boaz called to her, Come over here and help yourself to some food. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked when she returned home. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. Ruth said, The man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He's showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Boaz is a wealthy and influential man. What a striking contrast to the two women. Boaz is powerful. The women are powerless and vulnerable. He has wealth and resources, and they're battling poverty and hunger. As a man, he has automatic advantages in his culture. As women, and particularly as widows, they're at risk. So Ruth was gleaning in the field when Boaz arrived, and she heard something that set his field apart as a place where God was at work. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. So this is the field that Ruth found herself in. I would call that a fingerprint of God, wouldn't you? All through the book of Ruth, we see God at work behind the scenes, directing things as the characters step out and take risks of faith. When John and I think back over our lives, there's so many events that seem so ordinary, and yet they change the course of our life. Before we ever met, as young adults, we had met Jesus and experienced his friendship and life-changing power at work in our lives. We married in 1975, and by 1979, we had three young kids. John was managing a bookstore, and he was transferred to a store in Burnsville. We relocated and were looking for a new church. Now, we had a church in mind that we were quite interested in. We wanted to visit it, but because we had three small kids, it often took us a long time to get out the door. Um, and that particular Sunday, we did not have time to get to that church. However, there was a small startup church that we, out of courtesy, wanted to attend one time because it had been recommended by our former church, and we could get to that church on time. So that's where we went. There were 20 people in attendance that day, plus our family of five. And we stayed there 11 years. John became a pastor on the staff, and that church sent us here to Invergrove Heights to plant River Heights Vineyard in 1990. So that simple choice that Sunday changed the course of our life. So I can really relate to Ruth. Her choice to glean in that particular field changed the course of her life. And as we discover by the end of the book, it put her in the family line of Jesus Christ. Where do you see God's fingerprints in your life? Ask him to show you that. They're definitely there for you to find. You know, none of you would be here today without the Holy Spirit already working in your life and drawing you, just as he drew Ruth to follow Naomi's God. Boaz showed favor to Ruth in so many ways. It, it's really a powerful picture of how the good news of Jesus changes our life and changes our world. We see a gleaner seated alongside Boaz's paid workers, a foreigner dining with Israelites, 
a man serving a woman, the poor included among the rich, and an outsider embraced by the insiders. What a wonderful picture of life when God is in charge and people are following him. This is the kind of life that was modeled for us as we look at the book of Ruth. And I can see this life being formed here among us at River Heights Vineyard more and more. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, I thought back uh, several years ago through the generous giving of many of you back then. Um, we were able to do, I think it was like our second remodel where we added the fireside lounge and we put in a commercial kitchen. And because we were able to do that, we could open our building to the Ministry of Loaves and Fishes. And that provides four healthy meals a night to anyone who comes. Um, up until COVID hit, people were welcomed in and seated at a table. Um, people were, you know, just wonderfully served. Um, and they had a place to find friendship and not eat alone and make new friends. And we had free Wi-Fi, so people had their phones out and they were connecting in that way too. Um, yeah, it was just wonderful. And I just feel like that's a picture of what we're seeing in the book of Ruth. Um, it's a picture of what life in God's kingdom is like. And hopefully sooner than later we can gather around tables again and enjoy the meals. Right now they're just being handed out to whoever drives up between 4.30 and, right, 4.30 and 5.30. 5.30 and 6.30? Okay. John and I had one on Thursday. It was delicious. Um, when Ruth returns to Naomi and shares the kindness that Boaz showed her, Naomi's depression suddenly lifted. She begins to praise God. So while Ruth is doing her part, God has this much, picture, much bigger picture in mind. Ruth's working hard to put food on the table and, you know, she's actually helping this family line of Jesus. She doesn't have any idea about that yet, but she's helping the royal line of David, the ancestor of Jesus, our rescuer and Messiah. Isn't it interesting how God uses these two women who, in the world's eyes, had lost their ability to contribute? Do you ever feel that you don't have anything to contribute? If you do, I hope that today you find a lot of encouragement in our story because God sees you differently. You know, a very common understanding of the book of Ruth is that it's a beautiful love story. Boaz is captivated by Ruth and he's ready to sweep her off her feet. Maybe you have heard that story before. But is that really what's happening? Actually, something else is going on here that we need to understand. What explains the dramatic change in Naomi? What moved Boaz to show such great favor to Ruth? There's a word in Hebrew that will help us understand that. It's, the word is hesed. And there's no single word in the English language that directly translates it. You need several words to kind of get the scope of that. Um, words like kindness, mercy, loyalty, loving kindness, unfailing love. It's really the way God treats us and the way he's intended for human beings to live together from the beginning. Don't we need more of that in today's world? If this story can help us understand what Hesed is, we will know God better 
and will understand more clearly how he wants us to live. So Naomi's the first to exemplify Hesed in the story when she blessed her daughters-in-law and attempted to set them away, send them away. She said, may the Lord show kindness to you, which literally, literally is do hes with you Hesed, as you have shown to your husbands and to me. So in the act of encouraging her daughters-in-law to return to their families, she's voluntarily putting their interests in front of her own, and she's displaying hesed. It's a loving um, demonstration of sacrifice in the story. Then when Naomi sees Ruth's load of grain as she returns from Boaz's field, she brings up hesed again. Such extraordinary generosity could only have one explanation. God's loving kindness is at work. So now we move on to chapter 3. About seven weeks have passed because both the barley and the wheat harvest have been completed, and now it's time for the winnowing of the grain. Naomi's begun to see once again God's provision and care for her. She's able to look beyond her own sorrow. She can see that the Lord's hesed, his loving kindness is still at work in her life, and her thoughts turn towards Ruth. Naomi's concerned for Ruth, and she wants her to have a permanent home and provision after she's gone. Naomi's faith is getting revived, and she's joining the ranks of the Hesed givers and takes action. Remember her prayer in chapter 1 that Orpah and Ruth would find rest in the home of another husband? You know, if Ruth would have stayed in Moab, it would have been her family's responsibility. Um, but here in Bethlehem, there's no father or brother um, to negotiate a marriage, no bargaining power, uh, no dowry. She didn't have any strategic connections to bring into a marriage. But now Naomi steps forward, exhibiting similar uh, gutsy thinking that we've seen in Ruth. Naomi has a plan that will bend the rules a little bit and work around the system a bit to secure a husband that Ruth needs. So we can read this plan in Ruth 3, chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you, so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now, do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume. Dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down, then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. So Naomi's plan is a simple plan, but Certainly, it's not without great risk to Ruth and her reputation if it happens to backfire. She chose, uh, Naomi chose Boaz because, because he'd already shown kindness to them and had demonstrated a gracious heart. Also, he's a relative, which would give him a reason to care. She's selected a man whose godly character is known and who Ruth has observed. Naomi thought through things well, and she's come up with a perfect time and place for Ruth to have a private conversation with Boaz. We've seen that Ruth and Boaz have both exhibited unusual levels of godly character. But what's going to happen now? 
Certainly is a scene with a lot of tension in it. Are you feeling that? Let's read on and see what happens. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Wait a minute. Was that in Naomi's plan? Naomi had said Boaz would tell Ruth what to do. Instead, Ruth is asking something of Boaz. Instead of waiting for him to grasp the nature of her unspoken petition as Naomi had instructed her, she identifies herself and instructs Boaz to spread his covering over her. Remember Boaz's earlier prayer for Ruth? He had prayed, May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you've done. Now Ruth is asking Boaz to be part of the answer to his own prayer. She seeks shelter under Boaz's wing, a picture he'd clearly understand as a request for marriage. But Ruth is making another request here that wasn't in Naomi's instructions. Ruth is also appealing to Boaz as the family redeemer. Now he could have agreed to marry Ruth and it could have been a private matter. But because she also appealed to him as the family redeemer, this became a public legal matter. Naomi's plan had been simply to find a husband for Ruth, but Ruth changes everything with her instruction to Boaz. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you're my family redeemer. So in a single sentence, Ruth brilliantly appeals to Hebrew laws that provide for the survival of the family name and keeping family land in family hands. She's clearly proposing marriage, but with reference to Boaz as kinsman or family redeemer, she's also raising the subject of land. By putting both marriage and land together here, I believe Ruth is stating that her desire is to bear a child to inherit the land she's asking Boaz to redeem. Considering that Ruth had not conceived while she was married before, she is taking a huge risk here. She risks his refusal. She risks reopening a painful chapter in her life by trying once more to conceive a child. She risks public embarrassment if anything goes badly. But back on the highway, leaving Moab, Ruth had committed herself to Naomi and her God, and she continues to take risks to live out that commitment. If she had only approached Boaz for marriage, she would have been putting her happiness above Naomi's. Instead, she once again embodied Hesed wanting to provide Naomi an heir. So we're watching Ruth pour herself out again for Naomi. She lays down her life and volunteers to conceive a child to rescue the Elimelech family from extinction. So how does Boaz react? Let's read on. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, rather rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows that you are a virtuous woman. 
But while it is true that I'm one of your family redeemers, drum roll, there's another man who is close, more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he's willing to redeem you, very well, let him marry you. But if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, I wonder if she was up all night. What do you think? I kind of think I would have been. Anyway, Naomi asked, what happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. Then Naomi said, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. She knows her relative. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Isn't that a great story? I love this story. So what happens next? You know, we're about out of time. I'm going to ask you to finish reading the story on your own. However, I will give you a sneak peek to the very end, okay? So this is how the book ends. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is a son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has better, been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. So what might be our takeaways from the story of Ruth this morning? Maybe you identify with Naomi and feel that God's turned away from you. Find hope in Naomi's story and let people into your life like she did. God wasn't finished with Naomi. He had never stopped working in her life. He'd never stopped loving her. And God's not finished with you. God has vital kingdom work he wants to do through you. Maybe you identify with Ruth as she was drawn to the God that Naomi followed. If, if you're feeling that stirring in your heart, I just want to say that turning to God was the best decision that I have ever made. And today would be a great day for you to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you identify with Boaz. Maybe you're in a position of power, influence, and resources. And maybe you're feeling drawn to the idea that God's plans for you might extend a lot further than you might have imagined. Maybe he has plans to use you to bring about restoration and justice like he used Boaz. I'd like to read a beautiful verse in the Old Testament from the book of Micah um, that describes how Boaz lived, welcoming this young woman who was trying to make her way in a new land, working to provide for her family. I think this is the job description God gives us as we present our lives and resources to him. And this is Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. 
God's always at work behind the scenes to unfold his plans and purposes through ordinary people like Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, like you and me. Isn't that exciting? As we step out and take risks of faith, he meets us, and then he does things that are way bigger than anything we could have imagined. When John and I visited that tiny church in 1979, we had no idea that he had River Heights Vineyard in mind. We had no idea that together we would all get to be part of making River Heights a safe place like Boaz's field was for Ruth, a sanctuary for people to come and experience God's hesed and learn to live together, expressing this to the world. I hope this is the experience you each have here. And this is what we have to offer to others. And this story is a thrilling partner, example of the partnership that God intends for us as women and men working together, showing loving kindness, mercy, compassion. And there's one other exciting partnership I just want to mention. Uh, you know, we have Antoine and Marta here with us now. And as they've planted the Vina Inver Spanish congregation, it's just been so exciting. We are so blessed to be partnering with them. What's the River Heights purchase purpose again? Love God, love people, change the world. Yeah. Well, I'd like to invite the worship team and the people who will be praying up here this morning. Um, I guess I'd just like to ask each of us to think, what's God stirring in your heart this morning? Um, these people up here would love to pray for you. And worship and prayer are great ways to respond to God. At the end of our messages, we have the practice of sharing three tips for our week. Something to read, something to pray, and something to do. So I would encourage you to read the book of Ruth. It's just four chapters, it's very short, and it's a great story. And you'll pick up what I kind of glossed over. Secondly, um, pray that God would open your eyes to see his fingerprints in your life and how he's already at work, drawing you into his kingdom purposes. And then do step out and take a kingdom risk this week. Look for a practical way to love and encourage someone. <clears throat> and I don't think it's up on the screen, but I do have a bonus tip. Here at River Heights, there's an awesome kingdom partnership that happens three to four times a year. It's called the Alpha Course, and it takes a great team to pull it off. And I just want to say there's a place for you on the Alpha team. And we've got some great news. Alpha, starting in October, will be offered in person as well as online. So if you'd like some more information about what Alpha is, just write the word Alpha on your connection card and I'll send you an email. So I'd just like to pray. Lord, I'm just so encouraged by this story uh, from Ruth. Thank you for all of the ways that you show us who you are as we learn about this story. And I thank you that each of us has next steps in front of us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would um, just move us and encourage us to take those next steps. I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's respond to God now through worship and prayer.
and these folks up here are happy to